welcome to Act Dad, the Awesome Dad Show. I'm your host, Mark Savant, and today's episode is awesome. I'm speaking with Doug French. About eight years ago, Doug started the Dad 2.0 Summit. Dad 2.0 Summit is an annual conference that highlights dads and highlights issues that dads are dealing with. If you're interested in media, blogging, connecting with other dads, connecting with other brands, the Dad 2.0 Summit is the place to be. Doug also runs a very popular blog all about dad life, and you can find all the social media stuff for Dad 2.0 Summit at, well, Dad 2 Summit all across social media. Another topic that we talk about is co-parenting, and Doug has been successfully co-parenting for many years. If you're in that sort of a situation, this is a great episode because he talks about some of the things that have been successful for him and some of the things that he thinks that dads can do better. Buckle up, great episode, get ready. If you're not already, consider subscribing to Act Dad, the Awesome Dad Show, and definitely check out Act Dad, the Awesome Dad group over on Facebook. It is a great place to be for awesome dads. Let's get right into the show. Really want to commend you, Doug, on what you built. So why did you decide to start Dad 2.0 Summit here in, uh, I think it was 2011 was the start, right? Right. Well, that's when we announced it. We were at uh, the Mom 2.0 Summit, which okay. is two years older than we are. At their third summit in New Orleans, my partner, John Pacini, uh, who is my co-founder and the husband of one of the co-founders of Mom 2.0, Carrie Pacini. We got up on stage at the end of Mom 2.0 and said, you know, this is going to be, we're, we're launching our own uh, offshoot. At that conference, we actually, we'd had the Mom 2.0 team was gracious enough to give us, they devoted an entire ballroom just to dad content. They wanted to just, we were a pilot program to see what kind of interest dad specific content would, uh, would attract. And they were, all, every session was, was uh, standing room only. And that was, so we had a logo and an idea. That was about it. And we announced it. And then our first conference was the following spring in, in March of 2012 in Austin, which was, we, we piggybacked that onto uh, South by Southwest because we knew a number of speakers uh, would be in Austin anyway. And so we sent cars for them and they came out to see us as well. You know, nine years later, here we are. That's so cool. And one of the things that I found, and one of the reasons I started the Act Dad project is it always seemed like there's so much celebration of motherhood and moms and raising your kid and all that, which is awesome. I'm all for that. But I didn't find a lot of that for dads. I think that's really great that you kind of saw that need and kind of dove in, Doug. I, I really like that. I really like well, I that. think the main issue was because a lot of conferences at the time were kind of morphing from mom centric to parent centric and changing their mm. name to parent, but they still very they still focused a lot on on moms. And we thought it would be best to create something separate that had the word dad in the title, mm -hmm. uh, just to recognize that dad parenting and fatherhood is it's not better or worse. It's just different. Also, the fact that it, for parenthood to be focused on moms all the time, it's not great for dads, but it's also not great for moms because it creates undue pressure on moms that think they have to be the ones who, uh, who you know, they have to gatekeep sometimes and, and realize if, if what the kid does is more of a reflection on what moms are doing. That just puts undue pressure on them. If the bar is too low for us, it's too high for them. And so we've always are, when we talk about gender equality and recognizing that, you know, you take women seriously taking care of business, you can take men seriously taking care of kids. And that kind of disrupts this, these gender norms from both sides. 
Yep, I think that makes 110% sense to me. That's and mathematically impossible, but go on. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's my own. So it <laughs> makes I'm a, I'm a recovering math teacher. So yeah, when people <laughs> say that, I know it, it's an emphatic idiom, but it still doesn't make any scientific sense. That's fair enough, fair enough. 99.99% uh, right. sense. Oh, so there's some doubt there. You got to be, well, there's always doubt, right? There's always, there's always that little bit, but look, you, you know, you, it's, it's all about building each other up and as, as moms become more of a part of the executive workplace, dads are going to be more at home. And, and I just think it's a great, it's a great way to build each other up is saying, Hey, dads are awesome. Moms are awesome. We can all do this parenting thing together. So Doug, dad 2.0, what is it? What is the goal of dad 2.0? This is going to be my first year. I'm very excited. What will I expect? go into my first Dad 2.0 conference? Well, I think the, the main aspect of Dad 2.0 is obviously to celebrate fatherhood, to recognize it's important. In fact, we're going to, I'm writing, we have a, a weekly column. Next one comes out tomorrow. It's Fatherhood on Friday. And we pick a lead story. It's a compendium of a lot of great news that we've culled over the previous week. It's the highlights of that. And we pick one story that caught our attention and, uh, and write about it in a bit broader sense. This week, it's about shared parenting and how there's been some progress as far as when, when households divide, there's been some new legislation in about in a handful of states that have really improved the prospects for children who it's been universally proven now that kids are better off if they have access to both parents after a divorce. And the whole point was to, it used to be that the default setting was closer to mom and let's have dads fight to get to the middle. And now I think it's, it makes more sense to start in the middle. And obviously, no couples, not all couples are the same, and not all couples are fit. But, but you should start in the middle instead of starting way over here. So there's a level of activism there. There's a level, and it's, it's, it's also kind of counterintuitive to, to be an activist for men. But at the same time, it's, I mean, anybody who's you know, been the only male caregiver at a playground kind of can empathize with anyone who feels like they're being judged for how well they can do a job based upon what they're rocking downstairs. And uh, that's, that doesn't work it, it's on both sides. It doesn't work for women to have a glass ceiling in that regard. And it's not fair to men to be judged just because it's, it, it's, it seems counterintuitive for us to argue to be taken seriously as parents because now it's easy as hell. You know, you can take care of your kids for two hours and if nobody dies, you're a genius. And that, that's not what we want. We want to be taken seriously in that way. So Dad 2.0 has, has an element of that just to kind of to recharge your batteries. If you are a stay-at-home father or if, you, if you're struggling with how to figure out how to keep a job going and spend as much time with your kids as you can, uh, I mean, the spectrum of the fatherhood experience is extraordinary. We're here to, to kind of recharge your batteries and connect with a community that has the same interests you do, first and foremost. Obviously, there's a financial aspect to it. We work with, uh, with brands a lot. We work with influencer marketers. Foster that whole idea that when you can partner with a brand to help subsidize uh, the stories you're telling, that helps promulgate the overall idea that, that men love fatherhood. They struggle with it like all parents do. It's just it kind of debunked the whole idea that men can just rub dirt on it and walk it off. We, we, are, we have emotions. We have postpartum depression. We have doubts. You know, we try to keep our marriages together. Sometimes we fail. We try to be the best dads we can be, and sometimes we fail. I think if you can stress the idea that if you're in the arena, if you're in there giving your best, that's all anybody can ask of you. And I think a lot of guys get galvanized by that and recognize just showing up is half the battle. And I think once you get there, the other half is plugging into what people are saying about parenthood and how to be the best dad you can be and the best parent. 
and raise the next generation of people who will hopefully take care of us when we can't find the remote. That's really great, Doug. And to be honest, I'm, I'm really happy about this week's article about share parenting and the value of that because it's something that I didn't think about a lot until about a year ago. I'm, I'm happily married, been married for five years. I have a three-year-old daughter. Well, give four, it time. Four months old. Right. Look, 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? Yeah. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 40% of kids are born outside of marriage. So you've got these pretty astounding statistics. The reality is, like you said, I've, I've talked to a lot of experts. No expert has ever said, oh, kids need moms more than dads or dads more than moms. They say, hey, they need both parents involved. So I really like that movement towards highlighting the value of having both parents in the kid's life. It's, it's just, it's, it's really important to me. And I know it's, it's really important to a lot of dads. It's just crazy to me. I, it's not something I expect to talk about, but all, all a, lot, a lot of my interviews end up going back to that. So I'm definitely going to highlight that blog. You guys definitely need to check out dad2summit.com. Dad, 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 the number two summit.com slash blog. And we are we're also on Medium. If you inhabit a medium all that often, and if you don't, you should, but we post it there as well. It's uh, obviously very interactive there, very uh, shareable content, and we have a couple thousand followers there too. And then we have a lot of, we've actually gotten a lot of, uh, of interaction there. What, when, when what they'll say about marketing too is it's not so much how many followers you have, but how engaged they are and how much you interact with them. And this particular format in, encourages a lot of engagement and a lot of discussions like we're having that I think need to be had. Amazing. I'll definitely add those links here in the, in the show notes here in a minute. Yeah, the so, whole social platform, it's all Dad2Summit. On Twitter, or Instagram, and Medium, you'll find us there. I'm all on board. So Dad2.0 Summit, Dad2 Summit is coming up in February of 2020. Leap Wash, Day. <laughs> Washington, D.C. Leap, that's right, Leap Day. I was like, wait a minute, it's going on the 29th? You have an extra day of life, so why not spend it with us? I love it. I'll be there. I'm excited about it. So what will I, what will I expect on the first day at Dad 2.0 Summit? Well, we start off our, our standard format. We run from Thursday evening. Officially, we run from Thursday evening to Saturday evening. So it's about 48 hours of programming minus, you know, whenever you manage to get unconscious. Some people don't bother with that. Some people stay up all night and enjoy the fact that they're, they're with their friends this one time a year. Yeah. Um, we were in D.C. in 2016. We've, we've developed this pattern now of going back to D.C. for presidential election years. And we're at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, which is a great facility where I'm very excited to be back there. The standard is those 48 hours from like Thursday at 6 to Saturday at 6. That starts with the welcome party, which is the, you know, that Thursday evening. In the past, we've had that, uh, you know, our, our title sponsor for seven years has been Dove Men Plus Care, who have been phenomenal. They were with us all eight years. They, they came to our first conference and said, we like what's going on here. We, we'd like to be title sponsor. And they've, been, they've done so for seven years straight, which is testimony to, to their involvement, I think. And they have a very similar origin story to us because they grew out of a, of a brand out of Dove. You know, they wanted to create a, a, a male identity out of a, out of a more female-centric brand, and, and so are we. So they, you know, that's all tricked out with food and, and, and drink and, and a lot of backslapping, a lot of hugs, a lot of how have you been. It's like, a, it's like a reunion, you know, every year. And, and even if you haven't been there before, within a, about half an hour, it'll be like you've been there forever. I mean, ask, we, had, we have a bunch of newbies every year who can't wait for number two because I think to describe what Dad 2.0 is is hard. I mean, I think you really don't grasp it until you get there because it is so much more than what we can encapsulate on paper. We have that welcome party on Thursday night. Sometimes a sponsor will do something earlier in the day and we'll give you plenty of notice about that. 
Best Buy has been there in the past. We've had these trips to go out and fly drones and uh, cool. you need barbecue and, and those are a ball. And then we have a full day of programming on Friday. It starts with a fitness event usually at like 7 a.m. And, uh, and it lasts until we have an event every Friday night called Dad Stories. Uh, and it's basically a workshop. The dads come and they just either they read something they've recently written. They'll read something they're working on that will be submitted someplace else. And it can take any form. It'll be a blog post. It'll be professional writers. We'll talk about something they want to get posted. So that's a workshop that's supposed to go from nine to 11. But yeah, I think, you know, the first time we did it, it went till well past uh, two in the morning. Wow. Uh, so you're looking at 18 hours of programming, which is why you should pace yourself when you arrive, recognize that Friday is a full day. That's the fulcrum day. And we have programming start to finish. And then Saturday, we have our, we start off with what we've called the community three note, which is rather than have one big keynote address, we have three guys hmm. who will break it up into 20 minute segments to talk about whatever. Uh, and then there'll be a theme to them. And, you know, the, the ones this past year in San Antonio had a theme about a particular event, a particular broadside that you had to deal with and overcome. And then more programming. And then with our workshops and breakouts, and, and then we end with a, with a closing toast and uh, let's get ready for next year. And that happens on Saturday evening. So you can stay through till Saturday night and then leave on Sunday. Or, I mean, you could come and go. I know D.C. is a great spot because we have a lot of people uh, on the East Coast. And so many of them drive in. So they're a bit more flexible in terms of when they go. But it's also D.C. is really easy to get to through Dulles or Reagan National. And you can take a train down to Union Station. And it's, it's, there are multiple ways to get there. To me, the most important part here is community building. It's one thing to wave at someone online, but it's a totally different vibe when you get together in person, physically at an event like this. Is, is that, do you think, the real value of going to a conference like Dad 2.0? Oh, absolutely. I think that there are, um, there's, there's myriad benefit to just depressing the flesh. I mean, I think our, our human interaction is becoming so sterile because it's all through through the internet and you just don't that just reveals so little about who we are as people i mean right. i think depending upon where you you read as it said that uh, that, that texting someone uses about seven percent of our of, of of our ability to communicate with each other you know because it wipes out body languages it wipes out inflection it wipes out gestures it's just static text and it's just woefully inaccurate Often miscommunicated, right? Exactly. Like, it's, yeah. it's, in fact, there are, you know, you could look at, you could interpret text any way you like. And some people have a, a heightened sense of subtext and others do not. But I mean, if you, you can interpret something a number of ways and misinterpret it even more, there's just so much more to it when you can actually shake a hand and build, bend an elbow and, and you're much more likely to give someone the benefit of the doubt. If for any reason you, a discussion sparks up in, in November, you will you, rather than just kind of pop off at somebody, you'll say, wait a minute, I know this guy. I know where he comes from. I'm going right. to give him the benefit of the doubt and just allow for some level of nuance to penetrate our discussion before I start deciding that he's, that he's not worth listening to. And unfortunately, that's all people are kind of, it's a very reactionary culture we're building. The whole idea of, of reacting to something with insufficient facts or awareness of what's being said because you know as, as you know i mean there's a lot of money in riling people up uh, it's the nature of social media it's one of the biggest challenges right the the posts that do the best are the challenges that have the most engagement and engagement is often gauged by the algorithm by people going back and forth at each other and 
I mean, I've seen people that have known each other for years, pretty good friends, just like chew each other apart over something where it's, it's like, it's just kind of a scary thing that, that's happening now with social media. Well, and that's why I think, you know, we're realizing the, uh, I mean, it had kind of a honeymoon effect when you talk, talk about the Arab Spring, you talk about a new level of networking and communication and awareness. And we rode that for a while, but now we're seeing the downside, its power as a disinformer. And we're realizing now that social media is a medium and a tool like anything else. I mean, a tool can be used for, can you can be used properly or it can be misused. I mean, but you don't say, I'm never going to use a hammer again because you can use it to, to break somebody's skull open. I mean, that's, I can, I can hurt my finger with it, so I'm not going to use it at all. No, you're going to learn how to use it properly. You're going to become media literate and recognize. And once you do that, there is still wonderful uh, power in, in, in networking and community and, and affecting great change and doing great things as, as our Hadrian's walk uh, indicates. I mean, we'll take up too much time with this, but one of the best things I think has ever come out of dad 2.0 was a, uh, a big fundraising event to raise $40,000 for a, um, for a summer camp that helps kids whose parents have been touched by, uh, have, have suffered from cancer. It, it sends kids to free camp for a week or two to deal with that kind of trauma. So 12 of us walked the length of Hadrian's Wall in England, about 100 miles over the course of a week, raised 40 grand, and then helped uh, seed this new camp, which is up and running now at the University of Maryland. And that just doesn't come without genuine friendship and networking and an effort that basic sterile texting just, that doesn't affect that that's really honorable doug like all the things you're talking about it just are just so great building up dads in the household bringing the social back to social media if you would fundraising i, would. I, would do that. Yeah. I mean these, these are all these are all awesome things doug i mean just like it's such an honor to get a chance to to sit here and speak to you are there are there any special guest hosts? Can we can we announce any special guest speakers yet for February? Is that is that something? Well, we this is about? the early part of that uh, that schedule. We're just ramping up now. Basically, my my life is basically bifurcated into six months of summit prep and six months of editorial immersion. So yeah, our call for speakers just ended about a couple of weeks ago, which is not to say. I mean, that was the open call. There'll still be plenty of conversations about that. Uh, when the time comes, and that's what I'm putting together. We usually have three speaker announcements spaced out over the course of the year, over the course of these next several months. First one's going to come up in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, so there's nothing. I, there's, we'll stay tuned. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> last time we were in, we were in D.C., uh, Michael Strahan was there. Awesome. And he came and talked a lot about how he was, he talked about his own complicated fatherhood story, both as a father and as a son. He talked a lot about his father's health issues and how, you know, many of us, I know, I am very fortunate right now not to be in, a, in, a, in an active sandwich parent uh, situation, but I know it's coming. So, you know, fatherhood, the fatherhood stories, both, both as, a, as a father and a son, they're complicated and worth sharing. Yeah, Brad Meltzer was our lead keynoter. He was talking about his late, the latest book he'd written, and he was a huge hit. He signed, you know, he moved a lot of paper uh, and met with everybody and took selfies, and he is a top quality fella. So, Brad, if you're listening, you're it, buddy. So we always have, a, there's always some great surprises coming down the pike. And last year, Dax Shepard brought his podcast to our, he was our closing keynote. It was a, was a recording of his, of his uh, podcast, the uh, Armchair Expert. Yeah, you never know whom we're going to get. It's always a great joy when you can announce them. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm really excited for it. So 
you've told us a few great stories about the past. I'm curious, where do you see the future of Dad 2.0 going, Doug? What's the future of the conference? How do you plan on growing it, building it, creating awareness? What's the What's the future look like? Well, I think uh, obviously the social media platforms have evolved mightily since we started. Obviously, there's a lot more emphasis on video. There's a lot more uh, emphasis on, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of dads on Instagram, just people who joyously yeah. post pictures of their, of their kids, whether they're influencers or not, and, and all manner of dads. Very powerful, uh, a, lot of, a lot of gay dads, a lot of dads of color, and you can, I mean, it's, you can get a really tangible idea of how fatherhood looks all over the world. If you just look at something, even something as mundane as a hashtag dad life, all sorts of stories from all over the world of people who look like every father you've ever seen and maybe some you haven't, with a universal idea that having kids is the best thing a dad can hope for. And we're finding out also as, as that dads benefit from kids almost as much as kids benefit from dads. That bond is a very, when you get to a certain age, you want to feel plugged into a community and a and, and a social structure and fatherhood provides that. So, I mean, I'm, the future of it, we'll see. I mean, I think it could kind of branch out into particular verticals. It could branch out. I mean, the idea of, I've seen other conferences try to meet more than once and more often than not, it tends to dilute the product than enhance it. I mean, I think if you, if you can do it right, it would be nice to have some something small during the year, but I don't, I, I don't want to take away from the mothership. I think it's a very special event, and I want people to feel compelled to attend that first and foremost. Um, we do have a lot more live video now than we used to, obviously because that affords us the opportunity, the technology does. I don't know. I think the best part about how Dad 2.0 has evolved is just how the spectrum of, of stories has widened. You know, the fact that because there are so many platforms and technologies that afford people the chance to communicate what their story is, the the awareness of how women's stories we've known for a very long time are very very heterogeneous, and uh, and they've been sharing their complex stories and complex emotions that uh, attend those stories for years. They've set a great standard, and that's being you know growing out of Mom 2.0 as we have. They've taught us a lot. In fact, women often speak with us, and you know this is not a dad's a dad's group only no girls allowed platform. This is. We have tons to learn from the moms and, and many, many of them have spoken with us. So that's the best thing is the fact that the, the diversity that we have attracted over the past years, the fact that we've had panel discussions about dads in the military. We've had panel discussions about, uh, you know, you can get very basic, you can get very uh, niche about, about dads and their YouTube cha- uh, pages and, uh, and, and how they build their businesses that way. And, and many dads who have become very successful on their platforms are sharing how they did it. One of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This, which was, this is by Guy Raz on NPR. And he talks about, he has CEOs on to talk about how they built their businesses. And he came to DC in 2016 to talk about the future of fatherhood as he saw it. And he had, he was, he had just come from this TED conference in Seattle, flown cross country to come join us in DC where he lives. Yeah, the more people know about us, uh, the more diverse and the more exciting and the more, uh, the more established we are, and that's an exciting thing both to watch and to help make happen. Well, I'm really excited about it, Doug, and I've got a lot of respect for what you've grown and continue to grow, and the message that you're sending out is just, it's just really, it's all positive, it's all love, Doug. I, I really appreciate that. So you should look at all the, uh, the report that we're talking about. It's the National Parents Organization. They did a report in 2014, 
and they published an update to it uh, last week for 2019 and just wanted to talk to see the calculus of it and see how what's happened in five years, which states have enacted legislation and which grades yes. have gone up as a result. It's interesting. You know what the two best states to get divorced in as far as shared parenting are? I've heard Florida is a good one, but I don't know that that's the case. What, what are, well, the two, there were two A's among, in the whole, they gave us a report card and two states got A's and two states got F's. And the two states that got A's are Kentucky and Arizona. Hmm. Exactly. That is the correct answer. Hmm. You know, and, and that's why I, we try to have something, the, the lead article always have some kind of value added. We can just apply some level of our own interpretation of it. And the two states that got F's, Rhode Island, and New York, based solely on the statutes that currently exist that actively right. encourage shared parenting or even explicitly mention shared parenting. Because as of now, I think the latest Pew Research or the census said that uh, only 17% of kids with divorced or separated parents have dual custody. Oh my god. Based upon judges' rulings. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, my, my ex and I mediated, so it was never an issue for us. It was mostly amicable, so we figured it out been 50-50 ever since, and I feel very fortunate by that. I started teaming up with the Father's Rights Movement. You may or may yeah, yeah, not be sure. familiar with them. So I do, I do live streams and videos for them maybe three, three, four times a month. Yeah. And like, I, I wasn't even aware of how big of an issue it was until I started teaming up with like Tom Fiddler over there and David over there and Sam, and Linda. Again, a great, one of my favorite things to hear. I wasn't aware of how important this is, you know, but then, you know, when you get involved and, yeah. and you're, you're a, you're a worldlier person because of it. Yeah. I interviewed Dr. Warren Farrell and he just was like dropping fact after fact after fact. And I was like, this is crazy. How are yeah. we not talking about this? And, uh, and how it benefits both parents. Yeah. You know, cause I mean, every, every single or every co-parent should have a little room to be a single person to yeah. hopefully find love again. You know, I mean, to, it doesn't benefit, you know, it, it, I mean, estrangement from estranging your, your kid from a fit loving parent is child abuse as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But it, it, so it doesn't help the estranged parent and it doesn't help you know, the, the single gatekeeping 100% custody parent. There's got to right. be some right. way to encourage actively the idea that every kid deserves to have both parents. And so that's what our, that's what our story is this week. And then the, the report's all there. And the report, which I'll link to, has like it gives the pros and cons of every state, like why it got the grade it did. Like yeah. it's you know this is on the books. This actively says this, but there's nothing in here that defines what this means. So it's if it, it, like the, if the wording is particularly vague or open to interpretation, a parent can still take it in the in the in the wazoo because it's open to legal interpretation. So that's fascinating, and I'll link to that yeah. again. This this kind of story that people don't. They don't see, don't think about it, especially married dads who you have no idea. Like it's really, I'm just really glad that it's, it's being highlighted. Cause I think that if we can get dads more involved in their kids' lives, it's going to solve a lot of the other problems that we're, we're seeing happen. Yeah. One of these weeks too, I'm going to write a story. I actually have friends who, uh, who are still happily married because no, and they see, they go to a couple's counselor regularly. Yep. And not because, I mean, we went to one as well, but we were in crisis and that's when most people don't even go to a counselor until they're in crisis. But when you figure, you know, if you're going to go and take your car in for a tune-up, if you're going to go and have a physical in your body, if anything's worth giving regular maintenance to, it's your, it's your marriage. And so they have these, these well visits. They go to counselors and just kind of talk out stuff. I mean, that's become a smaller thing, but it's also 
I think married couples as well. I think there's 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 a level of preventative medicine you can, you know, because in my situation it just was there was like you know we didn't communicate as well as we should, and so things just kind of festered. Right. You know, you'd be you'd, there was resentments that festered, and you see, and then it just blows up. The smallest thing will will topple the card. So. Um, yeah, if you're able about to a month that. ago, I, I brought something up to my wife. I was like, I don't like that you're doing this, basically. It became a, a, you know, kind of an argument. We debated it. We argued it. We, we got past it. We made good because we brought it out now. I didn't let it fester. But yeah. what was interesting to me is I went to a very large dad group. I think it was like 70,000, 80,000 people in this group. And yeah. they're like, you should not have told her that. You should have just sucked it up and, and dealt with it. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a healthy way to go about it. Yeah, how's your marriage doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may think it's good, but if you're not having open, tough conversations with your spouse, I, I don't know how it can possibly be successful. Well, we've all been to dinner parties or cocktail somethings and seen a couple, and you're like, that's just, it's tick, tick, tick. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, every couple is different. I mean, that's, I'm not here to advocate. I mean, my, my ex and I actually wrote a blog together about co-parenting. And the idea was not to say you should do this. It was just, this is what worked for us. I think the key you know, is just working at it, working yeah. at it. Don't get lazy. Make, make time for date night. Do the, yeah. do the preemptive marital counseling. I think that makes a lot of sense too. It's not, it doesn't need to be a bad word. Like, ooh, they're in therapy. Ugh. It's just like anything. You got to take care of it. You got to nurture it or else it can go away. Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously, you know, we're. I, I am always of the mind that first and foremost, we have to promote civil conversation. Yes, it's it's a weird thing where they don't really tell you about, but every married couple needs to learn how to fight. Yes, yes, and and, and fight in the most benign sense. You know, the whole idea of how you're not always going to agree. You're going to know things about her that you can you know turn back on her and you you could things you know it's it's in your power not to let things get ugly and yeah. but you only have so much power over that before we close out the stream here i've got a couple rapid fire questions for you oh right? great okay so get ready have some coffee for this yeah <laughs> load up so mm -hmm. first question here i love stories i think that storytelling is probably one of the most important things that we as dads can do what's your favorite story to tell to your kids what's your favorite story to tell my kids? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's interesting because my kids are old, older now, so they don't listen to me as much as watch me. <laughs> sure. As far as... I it mean, could be growing I, up too. Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite stories that came out of Dad 2.0 last year, and I told my kids this, because this is the kind of story that, um, that they can still appreciate. We had a, we had a discussion about, uh, about trans parents, both trans parents with with cis kids and cis parents with trans kids uh and just the whole nature of gender fluidity and how there's a there's the, the generational gap and how communication between the generations when it comes to gender fluidity can be a real challenge so we had a discussion about that and uh one of our um one of the, sp the speakers there identifies as a them i mean uh, she was born female but is 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 transitioning now or not i mean but is, is identifying as as a and prefers the them pronoun so uh amber saw another guy at our at our panel and he he kind of dresses he dresses he has a he's a biker type he dresses you know in leather and and has a has a very coarse look about him don if you and get well soon don and don was in a motorcycle wreck not too long ago and uh We've been all sitting here from afar while he recuperates in Portland. So, Don, if you're watching this, I'm, I'm, I'm watching your updates and very enthused to see that you're, you're on the mend. 
But Amber looked at Don and made it, made it, made a, um, and Amber has dealt with uh, all kinds of, of reaction to, to, to their look. Amber looked at Don and made it a, an assumption as to what, what he was like and how he would react to, uh, to Amber's story and was kind of avoiding him and, and didn't know what to say. But then he came over to her and started a conversation and they got, they got along great. And it was just, and whenever you take, and she wrote a, uh, Amber wrote a piece about it, and uh, about how conferences can help uh, blow through those preconceptions, which we're all prone to, in fact, more so now, because we're so bombarded by information, our brains have to cope by, you know, we don't have the luxury of kind of taking a minute to dig a little deeper to see if our reactions are correct. We have to deal a lot with our first reactions and compartmentalize that way. But Amber and Don got along like best pals, and that was a lead story in Fatherhood on Friday uh, a few months ago uh, when Amber wrote her story and said, guys, come to conferences because there are people who will welcome you no matter what they look like. And that's kind of the message we're trying to put forth in general is to recognize, you know, if you, if you take people solely at face value, that's to our detriment as a culture and a society. And if you, if you can go to a conference and get down to a lower layer, you can find friendship in the least uh, in a place you might not expect. So I have actually told that to my kids and they were at least they, if they, if they weren't impressed, they fooled me enough to make me think they were. The value of meeting in person, the value of real life, you can really get to know someone better than you can just by a couple profile pictures, right? Love that. Favorite vacation. What's a, what's your favorite place to go with your kids when you get a chance to? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a big beach fan. Grew up on the East coast and I summered in new England every year. We have a particular spot in New England that we go to, the family, just to gather around. So, and we, I mean, it's, we have, we have the beach that we go to. I know we try to go someplace new every, uh, every year, someplace. It's harder now because uh, my older son is working now and he has a life and, and it's hard to, and now that, as I say, we have two high schools with two, you know, their spring breaks will not match up this year. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, you know, we want to go. It's, I don't want to drag him around, but at the same time, I want him to say, look, this is your chance to be dragged around and showed things that you might not normally see. And you should, you know, my, my kids were born in New York City, so I take him around. I took my older son to Chicago this summer and forced him to go to a few museums. And we saw some improv and I, I mean, saw the Rolling Stones. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And he was, it was the biggest conference concert he'd ever been to. And he was just enthralled by it. So you never know. I just, I, I, I want to make time to take kids someplace just to, I know the window that I can use to broaden their minds is closing. So I want to kind of get as much in there as I can before, before it's, they'll call me once every six months and ask for money. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's coming. I, I really like to avoid that. I can't wait until and just focusing on, Hey, how can I take advantage of the day? How can I make the most of it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, that's, you know, the, 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 it's, what is this? You know, the past is history. The future is a mystery. The present is a gift. You know, that's it. it yeah. Today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. I like that. Um, so yeah. And I think that's, you know, I'm at the point now, I mean, my, my son's a senior in high school. And so there's a lot of parents going, Oh my God. You know, they're saying class of 2020. That was a, that was eons ago. Well, now it's tomorrow. Right. And uh, we're already planning all our senior events. But I feel, I have to say, I feel that I've really gotten, I've sucked the marrow out of the present as much as I, as I have. So it doesn't feel as though it's fled by. It feels as though it was, part of that was just being able, able to have the job that I have that afforded me the, the, 
the balance of my work and my kids that I think a lot of people, you know, that's elusive to a lot of people. So in that place, in that case, I feel very fortunate. Good deal. Final rapid fire question here, Doug. These are not rapid fire at all because I keep saying like every rapid fire question gets about 30 paragraphs. So I apologize. And, 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 uh, it's, no worries, man. This is your venue. So I appreciate uh, just, just <laughs> giving us the info. I love it. I love it. Billboard message. If you could write something on a billboard to reach millions of people, what would it be? Holy cow. Um, uh, Holy cow. I like that. That's no, a, well, that's I mean, <laughs> take a breath. I think there's just... I, mm. we're being we're being socialized to be stressed out all the time Take a break. Uh, we are we're being socialized to do the right thing make the right call you know you only have one second to make every decision and if you don't make the right decision i mean this is this is kind of my experience as well this is the way i was raised i'm an oldest child i have a certain level of a level that i was told to hold myself to setting yourself goals and everything is not a bad thing but i think there's the way that we're socialized and fear-mongered and, 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 and manipulated in a way that, I mean, if I could do it over, I'd be a psych major because I know there's a lot of psychology to how we're being manipulated. And, you know, you read the business studies of how you can set a price at a certain level and, and you'll, get, you'll get the, uh, the revenue you're looking for. I think if, if anybody could just, to the extent you can, it's a luxury, I know, and everybody has that luxury. But if you can, take a moment to take a breath before we react to something. I mean, one of my favorite podcasts is run by two of my favorite people, um, Asha Dornfest and Christine Coe. It's a podcast called Edit Your Life. Obviously, I think we're all looking for some level of simplicity. We're all looking for some level of, uh, of, con of the elusive nature of control over our lives and our existences. But part of that is just, if you can whittle it down a bit, if you can winnow things and recognize what's important and what isn't and how how to apportion your attention, which is very valuable and uh, very precious. So if you can kind of find the best places to dump your energy, that's, uh, I think, a really, that's one of the skills I want to teach my kids. I want them, because they're growing up in a time very different from mine. Yeah. They're being bombarded in ways I couldn't have fathomed, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So I think if there's anything I'd like people to be able to do is recognize there is still plenty of power to do good in this world. There is still plenty of opportunity to get the most out of life. And there's plenty of opportunity every so often to unplug and, and recharge your batteries a bit and recognize that we're kind of hardwired to recognize the things that are lacking in our lives, but there's still a lot going on that you have. I will say, I'll give you a brief, a, a brief plug for one of the things I really enjoy. It's an app called One Second Every Day. Okay. And uh, in fact, I'm a, you're, gonna, you're gonna be in my one second. Because um, what you do is you just post, you post like an hour, you post like a, a second of video every day. And then you put together, it knits together a, um, a bunch of, it, it knits those, those moments together and it, it makes a video of, of the way you spent your days. And so you, it kind of, just even focusing on that one second helps you remind that I was here in this moment and I actually, I had fun that day. You know, it helps you remember that, that there were moments in your lives that, that may seem more fleeting than they are. It helps you just yeah. kind of remember that each day, each day is different and you walk away hopefully a little better off than you did when you woke up. Great stuff. That app sounds actually really cool. I'm going to check that out. And I love that billboard message of take a breath, take a breath. It's so easy to just see red and go all in, but take a breath things tend to work out for the better. And I love staying present too. Doug, thank you so much for being on the Active Ad Live show here. Really appreciate it. 
listen, everyone, you definitely got to check out www.dad2summit.com. You can find Dad2 on every platform, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Great stuff. Love it, Doug. Any, any parting thoughts before we uh, close the stream here? Well, um, I, I, I appreciate the time. I enjoy, I enjoy talking about Dad2 probably. I mean, if you get one-tenth out of Dad2 as I do, I mean, one day – you know, one of the main, uh, not frustrations, but I guess, you know, it's, I, I, every year I, I put together, I program a conference that I can't attend <laughs> because I'm just too busy. Uh, you know, my partner and I and our team are just wandering around putting out fires when they come up and so forth and just making sure things are running. Okay. But, uh, I really enjoy talking about it. And if you can, if you can get one tenth out of the experience that I do, I think it'd be great. I'm looking forward to going back there February 27th through the 29th. Again, a leap day in DC. Year nine, which means soon it'll be year 10. It's really been, you know, as I, I brief note too, I'm, uh, I, 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 today is my birthday. Right now there's a bunch of, there's a thread on the Dad 2.0 community page talking about their favorite memories of the last eight years of Dad 2.0. And awesome. there, you could not, there's such a, it's such a great birthday gift. I've, I can't remember a gift I've enjoyed as much as that, just to see people looking back on eight years of Dad 2.0 and, and reflecting on, on what they enjoyed about it. I'm really grateful for that. If you're still watching, head over there and, and I'll be over there shortly as well to, to give you all little heart emojis. Love it, Doug. Thank you again so much for all you're doing for the dads all over the world. And I'm really looking forward to the summit in February. Thanks so much. Yeah, looking forward to meet you, man. You know, bring it. Oh, we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it. It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll see you soon. All right, thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I learned a lot and I am very, very excited to go to Dad 2.0 Summit this year. Wave me down. Give me a handshake. My name is Mark Savant. I'm here with ActDad and I cannot wait to talk to you. If you're interested in collaborating on anything, send an email over to info at actadad.com. Once again, if you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast. That really helps me to reach more people. You also might check out the video interviews over on YouTube. Last but not least, if you haven't already, definitely head over to Facebook. Join Act Dad, the awesome dad group. I cannot wait to hear your story. I will catch you next time here on Act Dad, the awesome dad show. Peace.